Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Winston to my John Wick. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Doing well, John. I figured you'd love being Ian McShane. I was like, there's no one in the world. Literally, Ian McShane just kills everything he's in to such a degree that like I was like, Kevin will appreciate this just to such a But our very own Bowery King. <laughs> That's right. It's Eric Ronovec. Eric. Oh, wait how are you doing? You'd be Larry Larry Fishburne. I was gonna, dude. before you said that, I was like, no, wait a second. Is that Halle Berry? Because I guess I'll take it. No, uh, yeah, I'm a crazy pigeon man. I'm happy to be a crazy pigeon man. That's uh, probably the best thing we've ever come up with. All right. So this game, for, for let me just start with this. This game made me realize that I am still so invested in this team winning games. I thought like, I mean, we set the expectations pretty clear here. Like this team's probably going to lose a bunch of very close games. This game was basically exactly what we expect, right? <laughs> I thought about that when we were, I was watching it. It's an away game against a, a decent team the saints the saints aren't bad they're a pretty you know league average to maybe slightly above league average but they're playing a backup quarterback which drags them down a level right then they have a, a quarterback that's not a quarterback that's killing us but that's another story that's a story for later uh, the but hey, they I would they, say us getting killed by a tight end it might not be the way we expect it but it is what we expect true so <laughs> so the the thing is, is that throughout this game, it's like, yeah, on the road against a pretty good team, like a team that's a fringe playoff contender like us, we're probably going to lose this game. I, before the season started, I kind of set that expectation for myself, but I still was so mad during the game, like just still so invested in us getting the win. Uh, Eric, do you feel like you're, do you feel like you're still invested in the wins or are you able to kind of um, compartmentalize better than me? No, I think that two weeks ago that that went out the window because I was like, we're going to lose every game and it's going to be great. And then we beat Denver and it was like. Oh man, I really believe in this team. We lost to San Francisco, which I still don't have faith in that team. So I'm still mad about that. It's <laughs> every week it just something happens. So yeah, I'm super invested. And although I don't think Detroit's a world beater by any means, the fact that we played really bad in that game and our offense, honestly, Geno's just looks so good this year. He deserves our respect to root for this team. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, they, it really, they, it's that's really what it is. He, he, I mean, he carried us. They wrote me off. I ain't right back though. So, but here's the thing about about Gino, okay, and and the offense in general. That they they played good enough to win. If you tell me before the game we're gonna score 32 points, I'd say you know what we should probably win the, that game or they win the, win that game. Um, the defense had a had a tough day, so we'll go we'll go that in a second. But Tyler Lockett had a had another opinion. Okay, after the Seahawks lost to Saints, he 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 was like, I want to get fined. He said, man. It was so hard for us to even get a flag for us in this game. It was ridiculous for the Saints. They got all the calls, so they were lucky. Then he said, we just can't put these games in the ref's hands. Mm. Now, Eric, I know you hate using the refs as an excuse, but I mean that he's basically saying what what you think, right? Like that you you can't let them. You can't let them beat you. You can't let the, the stripes beat you. Tyler put it probably in the best way I could or I'd want anyone to like basically we could not get a call. We can't put ourselves in that position to let the refs decide it, which is a way of saying I admit culpability that my team really screwed up and my coach really screwed up mainly by having uh, our amazing punter trying to a rugby kick when he didn't have to get fancy at all. And that could have been the deciding factor of the game right there. Uh, but I also want to acknowledge how bad the refs were, especially on like three to five plays. 
Now, normally I don't want to complain too much about the rest, but I think Kevin has waited long enough, and I, I've, I've held you back, Kevin, for for so long. So I, I made a drop. This is a new segment. When something, go, when it goes bad enough that I just, I just can't do it anymore. I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna get in there. So this is, this is, um, bad refing corner where we complain about the refs. You got, are you guys ready? Ready. Born ready. All right, all right. Here's the music. So, so. So, all right, Kevin. Tell me, tell me about the worst call from this game. You know, an appropriately plotting decision was the call made against Charles Cross that negated the DK Metcalf touchdown and really was quite the swing of momentum. We didn't get points off that drive. And this is really ridiculous to make my way all the way through. Thank you so much. <laughs> Isn't this music perfect for how the refing was in the game, though? Uh, no comment. Um, I'm just here so I won't get fined. But if you watch the Charles Cross holding penalty, what happened is the edge comes in. He is blocking textbook as you're supposed to. It gets handed to the chest plate. I hate you so much right now. And as Geno Smith rolls out to the left, he, like, lets go. And the edge throws his arms up in the air. And I think what pissed me off the most about this is if you look at the ref that throws the flag, the ref is right there. He literally is like eight feet away from where the penalty, quote unquote, penalty is happening. And he throws it anyway. Like he can see that Charles Cross is letting go of the guy. And he's just like, well, no one would throw their hands into the air for no reason. So it must be because there's a hold. I It, it was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in my life. It is a 10-yard penalty that takes him out of field goal range. It also negates a easy touchdown on an impressive play from Geno. Like, I loved how Geno played this game. He was willing to uncork it on third down. He was willing to throw the ball deep downfield. Hey, whoa, and... whoa. We'll compliment Geno more later, okay? This well, is about... I, here's let's, the thing, let's stay focused. This is about the refs taking a big, fat, steaming dump on that. Like, I was having my happy Geno moment, and they just totally just, like, ripped off a Deshaun Watson all over it. All right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, 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 an, Odell, an Odell Beckham special. All right, Eric. I heard a Chen and Nwosu had a call against him that really uh, ground your gears a little bit. 100%. Is that, is that true? This is exactly what Kevin's talking about, but on the other side, the mirror side. So Nwosu comes around the edge. He is clearly being held. He throws his arms up. Guess what happens? Nothing. No flag. No nothing. This music's incredible. And you know what? That's fine. You're not going to get every call, but when you see the play that Kevin just described... A more important play, game-changing play. I mean, let's face it, that was probably the play of the game. Um, yeah, we are here listening to the sad, sad trumpet music. I don't know what instrument it is. My 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 call was the that that uh Tariq Woolen holding. Uh, Especially when that's yeah. something he was trying to get better at, and they just throw that the, in there. I mean, it's just like he, all he did was play defense. That's that's how you're supposed to do press man coverage. But apparently in uh, in New Orleans, that's a foul. Well, uh, thank you to that that wonderful music. Uh, which, which, <laughs> I was like laughing so hard. I wish that, that I almost wish that we had video uh, just for that. But then I'd have to be wearing pants right now. So I, I'm, it's you know, strikes and gutters. Have to. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> Quote unquote, have to. 
I guess I, camera's high enough. No one would really know. So it, I would know. Anyway, all podcasts feature Donald Duck in it. That's just I, a fact. I I would know. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into it. Let's go start with the offense because I always like to start with the fun stuff. And let's let's start with the stud. Let's give it up for Geno Smith. I mean, this guy, Geno Smith, uh, only only twenty five pass attempts. But he completed 16 of them for 267 yards, three touchdowns. And, and that includes and will also, you know, should have had another touchdown on an and really, really nice throw to, like Kevin said, to DK on yeah, a put him over 300 yards too. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Gino is still really struggling with the blitz. This is like the the big problem. They blitzed four times in this game. He went one for four on those passes. Um, he's just not good when blitzed are under pressure. But when we keep this guy clean, he can really play. And so that's kind of going to be the key to the rest of the season for the offense, I feel like, is, is it, can we keep Geno clean? Can we keep him upright? He doesn't seem to take um, – he do, he only takes bad sacks in the situations where you least want him to, which is like <laughs> – so like what I'm trying to say is that in the fourth quarter – In the fourth quarter when you're when he like – he starts to press like he feels like he has to make a play and then he takes like the Russell Wilson sack. At the beginning of the game, he ain't taking those sacks. Like he's just not – but – once the pressure's on and the, the game is on the line, uh, some bad habits come back <laughs> for, for Gino in terms of holding on to the ball too long, not throwing it away or or making a better decision with the ball. But we really just need to focus on keeping Gino upright, keeping Gino, um, you know, good to go, because that's going to be the key to this season. Um, Kevin, what did you notice about the way Gino was uh, like spreading, spreading the ball around to different different places in the field, different receivers? Like he's just he's just kind of peppering, peppering the defense, right? The biggest thing I noticed was uh, he made six pass attempts over 20 yards this game, which is by far his most. He completed four of them. Those uh, two like dimes to uh, Tyler Lockett. Mm hmm. And there would have been another one. Again, that pass to DK was uh, more than 20 yards downfield as well. Uh, and then he was three for six in the 10 to 20 range. So he made 12 pass attempts that were beyond 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. And that's out of 25. So it's nice to see. Pete said that they were going to kind of. Uh, uh, right. What was the term he said? They were going to kind of take the cap off the offense and, for him. And that's that's the thing is like I, I was going to ask. I was going to ask Eric this question. Did you just say what you said? Like. Pete said at the beginning of the year, like we were holding Gino back and now we, we need to let, cut him loose. We need to let him, yeah. you know, we need to let him fly. <laughs> do you, do you, do you think that, do you think that's true? Eric? Do you think they were really kind of like telling him, Hey, don't, don't throw deep play conservative. But then now they're, now they're like, cut it loose, bro. Just get after it. You're killing it. I, I definitely said, think they told him to cut it loose. I don't know what it was. I, we talked all off season <clears throat> and over the years, even about how we're a run first team. Pete Carroll wants to be a run first team. And although we're certainly running the ball a lot, or we were, um, it's obvious that Gino, the the offense is going to run or be affected by what Gino Smith does throughout the game, and I think that's because we want it to be. And so, yeah, we're cutting cutting loose to a certain extent. So, is it kind of yeah, like I mean, how Furious Seven was from Paul, and Fate of the Furious was for Paul? That's the sure. two halves of the offense. <clears throat> Night nineteen. Rushing attempts in this game for 151 yards. Whether you think we're a pass first team or run first team, our pass run distribution is not out of hand. 25 pass attempts versus the the 19 uh, rushing attempts. It's not crazy. I mean, 30 dropbacks because if we include the sacks and, and stuff like that. But I, I really – I don't see us uh, – yeah, we're not run first or pass first. I think we play good situational football on offense, right? The team yeah. – 
the the team seems to to throw when they're when they should throw and run when they should run. Gino does struggle a little bit with like when he audibles into a run play. I'm always like, uh oh, because <laughs> like 50 percent of the time, Kenneth Walker just gets killed running it up the middle on those plays. But I can see why he does that because <laughs> I can see why he does that because when he audibles Kenneth Walker to block. Uh, Cameron Jordan gets to gets to murder Geno yeah. Smith. So I kind of I kind of understand what he's doing. I mean, on that play, okay, so it's partially Geno's fault, right? He Geno is audible to a coverage set where he's going to leave Cameron Jordan one on one against Kenneth Walker. He has to know what kind of blocker <laughs> Kenneth Walker is. I mean, we saw this in college, right? The big knock on Kenneth Walker was that he not only was he an unproven pass catcher, but he was a pretty unwilling pass blocker as well. So. So, so he was willing. <laughs> well, willing, willing to get out of the way. Like he, he sure tried like three or four times, but he tried to fall into the ground next to Cam Jordan. He tried, like I, he tried twice or four times, maybe. In that situation, uh, Gino needs to call the audible where Kenneth Walker takes his place, and Gino goes out to uh, for the pass. Yeah, to, wait to basically block, but he actually just runs the play because you know Ken. Let let you should feel, know what it feels like. Yeah, Kenneth Walker pass blocked five times in this game. On five pass blocks, he allowed three pressures. <laughs> Not good. I'm just gonna throw. I'm just gonna say it one more time. Kenneth Walker <laughs> pass blocked five times in this game, and he allowed three pressures. That's a that is pass rushers against <laughs> against there. Kenneth Walker have a sixty percent success rate. Hey, that would be good. for well, did, first in the NFL with all, the I'm hearing, all I'm hearing was Walker did something right twice. Oh my god! Is it possible he's, that he just went back so to block bad. and no one rushed on the two that he yeah. got on the two that yeah, he succeeded? He just... Oh, it's definitely possible, one hundred percent. Was perhaps I, Cody Barton blitzing for the Saints in those? Man, when, job. We're looking for progress from the kids. Pete, Pete Carroll in his pressure this week said da, DJ Dallas will be more involved. This is what he meant. Okay, <laughs> yeah. he didn't That's mean oh. Down. He didn't mean, oh, we're going to throw DJ out there on a bunch of first downs. He means, hey, D- DJ's going to go out there so that Geno doesn't get murdered <laughs> by pass rushers because Kenneth Walker can't or won't block. I don't know. It, I'm, I'm undecided which one of those it is. Kenneth Walker. I'm, I'm so, just, wait, who's better, at, who's better at pass blocking, Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny in a cast? Uh, Rashad Penny in a cast. Okay. Rashad Penny with a knee brace. Rashad Penny with a knee brace would be way better than okay. Let's let's talk about Rashad. I mean, Penny. He can at least throw the scooter in front of him. Last week, I said the literal words: "When does the doomsday clock run out on Rashad Penny?" And it wasn't very long, much later that it happened. Yeah, Eric, happened. eulogize our boy, Rashad Penny. Uh, this is it, probably. This is probably the end of the road for him as a Seattle Seahawk. Yeah, he sucks, is a free right? agent after this season. Uh, you you got to expect that with the drafting of Kenneth Walker and the continued development of other young running backs like Dallas and Homer that this is probably the end of the line for us and Rashad Penny. Uh, what's, what's your, what's your favorite Penny memory? Like what's your, you got, got any, uh, any Penny, Penny classics for me? Uh, late last year and early this year when he became the back that we drafted. I want to give Rashad yeah. Penny credit for that because he didn't, I don't know if he didn't get a fair shake, but he always, didn't always have the right opportunity. Uh, his conditioning has never been the best. And, for him to kind of put it all together, hard, hard to hard to build up conditioning when you're always nursing soft yes. tissue injuries, right? Yeah, and when he yeah. when he went off the field this game, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, he probably has a cramp. It looks like a cramp, and yeah, it was weird. It didn't look like he got like no. it didn't look like something that was really bad. And a broken fibula is a really bad injury. Well, yeah, three a, big dudes well, fell on him, and it was like oof. 
It's a tibia yeah. and a fibula, right? And it's, if anything, I feel for his career because he's, there's a probability that we weren't going to resign him next year anyway if he had a, a really incredible year because we want to move on to those younger players. And, you know, Rashad Penny isn't exactly football young, but coming back from this injury at his age, given his injury history, I think his career is probably out. And that just sucks because Rashad Penny was, uh, a lot of people didn't want to see him drafted. It was kind of a wasted draft pick. And, uh, I'm happy for all the success that he gave us. I'll just say that. Yeah. So, so like in the last like 14 games that he played, he had 1,095 yards. He averaged over six yards a rush, had eight touchdowns, and he had over 770 uh, yards after contact, 779 yards after contact. That's incredible. Contact. Like that's forced, he forced, forced 40 mixed missed tackles on only like 170 carries. Like four stupid guy NFL was schedule crazy. There were 16 games. And for 14 games, he was a thousand yard rusher. That's, that's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, he was he was really coming into his own, like becoming the player that I think we we expected when we watched his draft profile. Like when you watched him play for San Diego State, you're like, this guy can really play. It's lower competition, right? It's Mountain West football or whatever, but this guy can really play. And we finally were we're seeing him emerge and become the player that he always wanted. Another thing that sucks for Penny is that he, you know, his he was playing his way into a probably pretty decent contract, right? Something like two sixteen or or maybe even two twenty. We saw yeah. the contract that Kenny Drake got and he was far outpacing anything Kenny Drake ever did. So, so yeah, it was, it just sucks for him. It sucks for the Seahawks. Um, just an all around a crap situation. Kevin, you were Rashad Penny, like super fan supporter from day one. Um, as the, as we probably come to a close of the Rashad Penny era, um, what stood out to you about, about him? Uh, even after multiple injuries, he still was a guy where every time he touched the ball, you're like, Ooh, if he just gets a crease, because yeah. that's what I remember his like his breakout game to me came in his second season. We had uh, we played Philly in the regular season and then again in the playoffs. We had was it the same score both times? It was like 17 nine both times. <laughs> it was, and in the Kevin. first game, <laughs> he broke that long run. It was like a 60 yarder. And it was just that moment where you're like, oh, this is what it's going to be next season. <laughs> he's going to take over, probably be our number one running back. And. Then he ends up getting hurt in the Rams game, and then he's hurt it again just the next season after like eleven is. carries or something. Yeah, he's just been injured ever since. One one thing you said, Kevin, he just gets a crease of the 179 carries that he had over the last two years. Twenty nine of them went for ten or more yards. Yeah, it was a big play waiting to happen every single time he touched the ball. Rashad Penny rules. I hope that he lands on his feet and has like another career resurgence, maybe even with us if he comes back on a cheap deal. But if not, um. You know, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch, even for this short time. He won a lot of people fantasy football championships last year, one hundred percent. Like he would, he was the guy. Like when Travis, uh, or sorry, I always say Travis Henry. Derrick Henry went down last year. If you picked up Rashad Penny, you just kept on chugging because Penny was as good or better than what Derrick Henry was doing at the beginning of last year, which was absurd as well. So yeah, um, big ups to Rashad. Okay, uh, we got to go to the receivers a little bit. Now, tight ends this week were still involved, but Fant was the most involved tight end. Kevin, um, as you as you kind of as we kind of continue to chart these the the usage of these tight ends, um, do you expect to see Fant um, coming in more and more and more, uh, getting a higher percentage of the snaps? He played he played more than uh, than he had in in any of the games so far. I felt like, or at least ran more routes. And so, is that is that something you expect to see? Like he is the most talented, right? I think part of it is that as the offense trusts the tackles a little bit more, you don't have to keep Disley in 
fan in quite as often, which means that we can free fan up to run a few more routes. The other thing is, as Gino is willing to take slightly riskier throws, those are the throws that are going to be really good for Fant because he's the kind of guy who's a matchup nightmare for safeties and linebackers over the middle. Where Disley tends to be really open when you get on the ball, and Parkinson tends to get uh, like schemed really open. Fant's the guy you throw, and you're like, yeah, he's kind of covered, but I just think that my guy's more athletic. And he had a couple of passes up the seam uh, or over the middle of this game where he was definitely covered, but he was just better than the guy covering him. Yeah, Noah Fant ran a four five at the combine, Leg- a legitimate, a legitimate athlete. Um, Parkinson had his second lowest snap count of the season at fifteen, uh, while Disley and Fant came in with thirty three and thirty. <laughs> Did you see Parkinson snap at fullback? No, he cannot get low enough, and it was it was. Oh yeah, I did see that. He's huge. I mean, it was all in angular. It was a terrible choice. He's not a stout tight end. No, and his (laughs) his blocking blocking was always kind of like the the I don't want to say problem, but like one of the the pain points. He's more respectable than I thought he would be as a blocker. He is definitely a he is a above average speed, um, above average catch, below average blocking tight end. All right, there's a lot of players who have one offensive snap in this game that normally don't get any offensive snaps. <laughs> Joey Blunt, Isaiah Dunn, Cody Barton, Cullen Gillespie, Tanner Muse, Penny Hart. Eric, what was Michael Dixon thinking? So from Pete Carroll, Michael Dixon was supposed to be doing a uh, one of his rugby kicks where he runs he runs to the right and kicks the ball. I don't understand that at all at all uh i think he lost it and went because if you look at the uh she's there's no left guard and um what was it uh this is number 57 yeah. on the seahawks so ba- basically yeah barton it's barton no it wasn't um, Barton. it wasn't barton it was 57 is 57 is barton who's, who's 58 who's 58 i looked at the number i was yeah. like who is this guy it's 50 it's 57 you're right was it oh, 58 50 it was 57 it was tanner muse it was tanner muse tanner muse, tanner muse yeah, okay. just takes off so I don't think yeah. it was designed because at first yeah. I was like, what is he doing? I'm like, oh, that means it wasn't designed because 100 percent. Those when those guys got past the line of scrimmage, Eric, you're 100 percent right. It's like, OK, there if there was a call, those guys missed it. I was <laughs> like, my, before I really looked at it again, I was so mad at Tanner Muse. I was like, who are you? You're not a number I know. I was like, oh, Tanner Muse. How dare you? I was like, oh, wait, he, he's doing his job. Uh, I'm going to blame that on Pete because. Uh, Pete said that Michael Dixon was doing a rugby punt, which if he's not covering for his player, um, why are you doing that? What's what's mm-hmm. the point there? You don't need to. You got Michael Dixon. I know he had a whole week off because he's, you know, we didn't need to use him, but I don't understand the process. Honestly, my bet would be it was to put it on film. It's that whole, if you do something, then a team has to prepare for it. And so then you don't know if it's a fake or okay. if it's that. That's that's, that's a genius thing to say, Kevin, and I'm giving you more credit than Pete Carroll. Uh, absolutely brutal play call. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I do not that like it. That sucked. <laughs> um, I don't respect it. I don't like it. A big uh, – an emerging problem we see is that Gino, when given the opportunity, will step up into the pocket and make a really good throw. He did it several times in this game. The problem is the player in the middle of the offensive line whose job it is to create area space for him to step up into is consistently getting beat. Um, Kevin is Austin Blythe a big enough problem that the Seahawks need to do something about it, or are we going to be able to survive 
the, uh, the oh, rest of the season. He's like six foot him, eight. Big problem. With him at center. Nice. With him at center. I feel like it's really hard to do something about the center position mid-year. Like, if we did something about the center position, it would have to be like a pivot to Kyle Fuller. Damian or... Lewis, center, Hive. I'm here. Let's do it. Let's give it a try. <laughs> or Phil Haynes, because he was taking snaps at center in the preseason. Something. Like, I'd be okay with giving it a go because right now the mixture in the middle ain't working. It's and when Jackson got went down and got hurt, uh, I thought, okay, well, it's not going to get worse. And I was correct. Phil Haynes, Phil Haynes was as good or better than Gabe Jackson. It was exactly the same. Um, Jackson actually had a, a fine game in this game. Uh, didn't allow pressure. Uh, I, I did not notice him on the tape, which is usually like a good sign that he played completely fine. Uh, yeah, because I sure Cross, noticed him before. Yes, one hundred percent. Lucas and <laughs> Lucas and Cross played played all right. Damian Lewis continues to struggle a little bit at left guard. I don't know if it's it's. I think it would be worthwhile to flip him back to right guard, if, especially if Jackson is going to be out for an extended period of time to see if it's the positional change that is causing the problem, because he was so excellent his rookie year, and ever since we switched him over to the other side has just been just not as good. Just not as good. He has not been the same as he was that rookie year. He was, especially in the run game, he was just grading in the run game, just killing everyone. And putting and he's not him even next doing... to Abe Lucas would be real nice. And he's not doing. He's not even doing that anymore. So yeah, I'd love to see what he can do, um, maybe on the opposite side, just to see if that, you know, kicks him up a little bit. Or like I said, play him at center. I'm, I'm in, I'm in a mode now with Damian Lewis when I where I want to see what we have with him because. Uh, going into next year, you know, it's his last year of his contract, but he took those 66 center snaps his rookie year, and I thought looked fine in all all of them that one game. So, yeah, I would love to see what he has there um, as the year. Yeah, we need to figure out on. if we need two or three pieces in the middle is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say we need at least one really good one or two above average. Yeah, like if we're going to spend a high draft pick on an interior offensive lineman or, or uh, you know, a big chunk of cap, then that's an option. Uh, you could just get one guy, and then we've seen on other teams how one really, really good player can have such a big impact, right? We've seen on our team. <laughs> yes, I mean we're seeing it right now. This team pass blocks really good a lot of the time, and it's mostly because we improved the tackles. Like the tackles are way better than last year. Yeah, and that's that's no not because Dwayne Brown is a good football player. Uh, so I'm not like that saying that cross and Lucas is, are better than Dwayne Brown is. And Brandon shell is a big compliment because those guys were legitimate NFL players. They were not, they were no joke. Who would have thought we've seen it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. Who would have thought that I don't, I don't want to like speak too early, but that we would have had the tackle problem solved and that wouldn't have fixed everything. Cause I mean, for, I don't know, all that season before we were talking like, Dwayne Brown has limited time left. We still don't really know what we're going to do at right tackle. And I'm, I feel really good about it, the tackle in the future and, and present. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is, is you, you say it like it, it did, it did fix everything. Like our offense is number one in DVOA. This crazy? is a really, this is a really good offense. And one thing I, I think that I've seen the sentiment out there is that like, even though we're not super good, this team is very enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And it's because the offense rules Whatever like the offense is. Yeah, it's fun to score. If you're going to if you're going to suck, like score, score points, be bad and score points. It's way more fun than being bad and not scoring points. Like look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are kind of like us. They score a lot of points. Their defense is not playing very well. Um, they have way worse special teams than us. Yeah, the Dolphins are kind of like Seahawks South. And and I they the it's enjoyable. To, 
It's enjoyable to watch. It's enjoyable to watch Dolphins football. It's enjoyable to watch Seahawks football because it's fun when teams are scoring and then the game goes back and forth and you can really uh, say it. One thing I'll say is our future schedule is not super difficult. Like looking at the teams we play, which is worrying if the offense continues to play at this level because we are going to play our way out of a, of a top 10 pick. You mean Gino's going to play out of his competition for uh, the starting job next year? Uh, I've already I've already said I'm okay with in general with the idea of bringing Gino back for one more year and then you know drafting every other piece you know finishing the defense get the defensive end get an interior offensive lineman get a get a linebacker who can actually play football other than Jordan Brooks Um, you know do those things and then have that gap year where we probably make the playoffs just barely with Gino and then we bring in the quarterback. The problem with that that plan, though, is, is that next year's quarterback draft seems exceptionally good. And the following year, I'm less certain of. Now, there are guys who could decide not to come back that would make the following year's class a lot better. I think Richardson's not going to come is going to come back to Florida. That's going to help a lot for the following year's class. Give him another year in the in the pressure cooker to kind of get to get better. And that kind of stuff will help. But. Yeah, it's it's tough. You, the Seahawks are in a tough position where they're going to have to make a decision there. And G- I mean, Geno's played his way into $15 million next year even if he plays medium football the rest of the year. Yeah. Mike Glenn, Mike Glennon got $15 million. Geno Smith right. deserves at least that. Like that there's no way some team isn't going to be like, "Hey, we can win with Geno." Because I think he's proven you can win with Geno. Geno Geno Smith can play winning football. That's just that's a fact now. There, it's hard, hard to argue against. I mean, do you want do you want Baker Mayfield or do you want Geno Smith? Do you right. If Gino, what if Geno was in Carolina? Like yeah. Carolina probably would have three wins right now. Do you want any what, quarterback that Washington has to offer, or do you want Geno Smith? I mean, heck, what if Geno was in New Orleans? That's like, I, very right there. I don't. I think Geno is better, way <laughs> better than what they got from Andy Dalton. And I mean, I love you guys. Know I love Jameis Winston, but. He started turning the ball over again as soon as Sean Payton left. <laughs> there was a direct link between those two things. I couldn't. It was, they were very connected. And uh, Chicago Bears, another one where it's like, yeah, they they'd love to have Geno Smith right now instead of Justin Fields. Minnesota probably yep. would would put, kick Kirk Cousins to the curb. Geno having second. the so, rich Gannon stretch of his career. I mean, it's just it's just what's happening right now. Like, it just we got to get on board. It's fun. It's fun to watch. It's great. I mean, it's giving us this. They wrote me off. I ain't right back though. So I mean, yeah, it's 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 um it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Is you there got, a way? Graduate. I was gonna say, is there a way we can just start pumping the Drew Lock hype to try and get some sort of fifth rounder for him? Is so <laughs> I do think I do think that is kind of what they were doing. Is they were hoping like they could build some Drew Lock value back and then get it, get like a pick for him or get a compensatory when someone else signs him after the season because he will get signed. Uh, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> no. I I, I mean. I liked the idea of, you know, there was a lot of, there was still some mystery with Drew Locke, right? There's still some like, hey, maybe he was just in a really bad situation and we he can be saved like Ryan Tannehill. The odds were low. The problem is, is that we, I think myself included, we all just underestimated what Geno Smith was capable of. The The fact of the matter is, is that Geno Smith can be store brand peak Russ. And that's a good quarterback. Store, ba- store brand Russ is like a, that's a, a positive. value. Yeah. Oh God. I'm not, I don't want to say great value. I, I'm going to go store brand because 
Uh, what's what's the store brand at Target? That one's pretty good. Or or Trader Joe's. Kirkland uh, Smith. Kirkland yeah, you could, Smith. it could be Kirkland Kirk, Signature. Kirkland Signature Geno's. He's Kirkland Signature Russ, and that's perfect. That's a great player. You know, he, being eight tenths of what Russell Wilson was at his peak in Seattle is awesome. I would take that every single year. And Cause, so because Russ ain't eight tenths of what peak Russ was right now. So no, he's not. He's <laughs> four tenths. He's terrible. In fact, if we get a, if we get a top five pick, it's going to probably be because Denver can't get it together on offense, not because we can't get it together on defense. Defense. Let's go to defense. Okay, let's go to defense. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the defensive line to Kevin because I know he's watching those guys and those guys are Eric. I'm gonna give you Tariq Woolen. I love it. Uh, I love it. Ke- Avatar Avatar had <laughs> another day. Kevin, I think, was like the OG. Like this is the traits guy that Pete Carroll needs to go for. Um, as we've got to see him play as a Seahawk, it has just been pure joy. What what a what a game from Tariq Woolen, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't see how this guy isn't getting better every week. Uh, interception, uh, fumble recovery. Uh, when he had five, four tackles, um, good coverage, bad call called against him. Welcome to the league, son. Um, yeah. Trequan, that's I guess the the easiest compliment on him is he never looks out of place. Um, the best thing you can say about him is that he's a ball hawk and he knows what he's doing. Um, I, again, I'm still kind of shocked that he put it. He was the first one to put it together. He is the only player, uh, only cornerback on the team that played every snap last game. Um, I think he he's pretty solidified himself as likely the future for us at the position. He is the next. Uh, he is the heir to Richard Sherman. Sherman was even tweeting about it. Yeah, yeah he's been he's been excellent. Targeted yeah, three times. Sherman's been saying all the right things about him too. Only giving up 15 yards. I'm just always in the right spot. Always making good, uh, pretty good choices, and continues to improve every week. Um, at this point, Kevin, I know your your thing is you want to see flashes from the rookies. I think we're seeing more than that, though. We're just seeing a really good football player. That's a fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, the guy, like the way that he generated those turnovers, he like his interception against Detroit. He baited the quarterback. Mm-hmm. His interception here. If you look at the his coverage on that play. Um, he's keeping his eyes on the quarterback. He mm-hmm. has his hips wide open to the field while he's pressing the receiver to the outside. And yeah, New Orleans receivers were injured. It wasn't like the most top flight receiver core to be going with or whatever. I don't care. It was an NFL wide receiver and he was all over that dude. Like that was that was high, high level quarterback play. All right, let's go to let's go to Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris has come in and instantly had like a big impact on the defense. He got a pressure in this game, a run stop. He played a staggering forty two snaps. Um, Shelby Harris stood out to me on the defensive line, Kevin. What 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 else uh, did you did you see with those guys with the uh, the men the men the meat the meat up front the the ends the, the outside beef, linebackers the hog too yeah. the beef yeah. Uh, so I think that Shelby Harris joining the team might be the best thing that could have happened for Quentin Jefferson. Because Shelby Harris is what Quentin Jefferson can be. And he's kind of taking that role on. He had a couple of pressures. He had a pretty good game. He's been playing pretty well against the run. Uh, like, it's nice to have him in there as a really solid rotational guy. I feel like our front seven just needs a dude. Like, a legitimate, like, top flight player. Because mm-hmm. uh, Nuosu wasn't able to get a lot of it's pressures a- this game, but he played really well. Mafe played very well against the run, especially. Yeah, Mafe Mafe is the is the guy. Yeah, he had 30, 35 snaps in this game. Um, he is he is that dude. Taylor had forty four though. Uh, I I'm not I wasn't like super pumped about anything Taylor did, but he was 
um, nondescript, which I think is an, an improvement over like uh, making he was flagrant not exploited mistakes. in the run game. I agree. Correct. He was not making flagrant mistakes. That might be partially because like he's playing a more conservative brand of football now that he, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. he had to, he had to dial it back and that sucks because he's a really good pass rusher and for him to get zero, zero pressures on 18 pass rushes is, is tough. That's, it's not where you want to be, especially against the saints offensive line was dinged up. Like you, you gotta do, we gotta do better than that. Yeah. Than 10 pressures, 10 pressures against the, how injured their defensive line was. I just, I, I want, I wanted to see more from our defensive line and you're right, Kevin, we just, we just lack the, the star, I guess. Is, yeah. I think it's kind of like when you have a receiver core where you have like a lot of number two and number three receivers and you get that guy who's like, if you take DK Metcalf out of our receiver core, it looks completely different because it's a lot harder for Lockett to operate. And we don't have anyone behind that to really kind of pick up the slack. If we are able to draft or acquire a number one pass rusher, a legit guy, um, I think that this defense is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because the other piece is, as much as Mafe is improving, and I see some of Daryl Taylor's weaknesses becoming um, less obvious, Kobe Bryant is the guy that I want to kind of highlight here. Uh, yeah, I was gonna get. I was gonna get there eventually. That it. Kobe kind of had. Kobe had a little bit of a breakout in this game. I mean, didn't play a ton of snaps. Only played thirty-seven, but looked really good. Had a had a nice um, touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, where he KO'd a guy. Uh, gave him a DDT. <laughs> it was a jumping, swinging DDT from the second rope. He was deserved. Uh, yeah. But then he also, <laughs> uh, dude, he also knocked the ball out again. That's the third straight week where he's forced to fumble. Yeah, uh, I think his fourth forced fumble overall. Um, he uh, had another solid blitz where he was able to get a quarterback hit uh, after getting a sack against Detroit. Like he looks like he's settling into that slot I, corner role. And I will really say well. that the missed tackle touchdown play, like oh, PFF graded him so one. so so harshly for this play that like i i was like dang i mean i understand it was really bad play but it was like one play and the other 36 plays were pretty good (laughs) just it just feels bad you know like that the one bad play like really the he made his whole grade like terrible and i'm just like this is why i don't like the pff grades as just a pure measure of of anything really (laughs) But, but looking at um, the game that he had, if I'm going to use a, if I'm going to use a single number, I guess I'd pick DVOA. But I, I think there's football's hard. You can't use a single number to describe what's happening on the field, right? It's just, I, that's just not how the game works. I think what we'd agree with is at this point, Woolen's not flashing. Woolen, like if Woolen's flashing, then it's like a siren where it's he's flashing like every other you, second. You can make Brent showing some good stuff. Sauce Gardner has a ton of hype right now because he's really playing good for the Jets and the Jets are playing pretty good. It was drafted um, in the top five or whatever. And I was going to say, and you yeah. can make an <laughs> argument that Tariq Woolen and Sauce Gardner are like basically on equal footing right now. And it's not very hard to make or well, you can even make an argument Woolen's better. Bar- the thing is, is that Woolen, you know, you could say like, oh, interceptions are lucky. We saw it last year with Diggs. He was not good last year, but he got a lot of interceptions. Weirdly enough, this year he's good, but not getting interceptions. Yep. <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting how that works, uh, how, how the rookie gets better and then um, stops getting targeted so much. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's like it's like when you get th- – it's, it's almost like if you get thrown at 90 times that maybe you suck. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, 
Um, Barton, Barton continues to oscillate wildly between good playing, playing pretty good. And then just like doing something that makes me so mad that I just like want to throw my remote at the TV. Can I do a Barton watch every week? Like something about Barton. Like last week I did the feeling up the receiver. Um, what, 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 like, how about him just like looking for guys to block him? This, like Kevin said, this, <laughs> this is crazy. my favorite is when uh, Dear Cody Barton, that's my segment, it's called Dear Cody Barton. Dear Cody Barton, <laughs> uh, when you're the fourth man coming in on a four man rush and you're starting back from the line of scrimmage or just off the, the neutral zone, don't try and juke the left guard. He's 300 pounds. You're not going to juke him. You just got to run by him. It takes about one and a half <laughs> seconds, two seconds to juke. The ball's gone, Cody. <laughs> the ball's gone. Sincerely, yeah. Eric Ronnebeck. So the, the 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 plays where where Taysom Hill comes into, we just we just really stuck our head in, in the ground <laughs> on all of those plays. Those plays are all you watch. Don't watch those ones back on the on the all twenty two. They're not worth they're not worth your time. It's it's like on this week's installment of There's Something About Barton. He cannot say, fill a hole at all. It's snuffed. It's yeah. It, there's one play where he, where like it's just all he's got to do is stay in the gap, and the quarterback has no choice but to run right into him. And instead, he just runs into a defender for no Full reason. Full Ron Burgundy moment. I'm supposed yeah, like, to shed a block here. Somebody block me quick. <laughs> yeah, it's like just stand there. Just stand in the hole. He's not. He has nowhere else to go. He's not going to get a touchdown if you just stand in the hole. No. Oh, oh, he's running into the center for some reason. Oh, and then it's touchdown. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, Monet played a lot more than Al Woods. I'm just gonna say I do not want that. I that distribution of snaps. I don't know if Al, you know, he he did have the the picked up the he came off the field for injury at one point and he played more after that. But maybe maybe they were protecting him a little bit because he is 35 or whatever. But I want to see Al Woods as much as possible, um, as much as his body allows, because I think honestly he's like our uh, yeah Al Woods. Okay, there's a there's a Al Woods. There's an Al Woods update from the thing. His knee flared up. He was having a great game. Um, he was dying to get back in, but we couldn't get him back in at the end of the game. So okay. So Pete Carroll says that yeah, Al Woods is um, Al Woods was too hurt to, to play more. I would like I want more Al Woods. So Al Woods is probably other than Woolen the defensive player that's playing the best right now. <laughs> and then Jordan Brooks had a solid game. Nothing spectacular. Missed a couple tackles. Um, was credited with the touchdown on one of the um, on the defense, like he was defending the the player that scored the touchdown. But to be honest, I I have a hard time evaluating Jordan Brooks right now because I just I don't really know if he understands what he's supposed to do, and his playing partner definitely doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel so. like Jordan Brooks is in that position when you have a center fielder who has all the range in the world. And so you're like, man, this guy has a ton of errors. And then you realize it's because he's playing like 70% of the outfield because they just stuck two first basemen out there. And that's kind of what this feels like, where I can't really tell if Jordan Brooks is having trouble, like uh, taking good angles for tackling, or if he's just basically playing single high safety from a linebacker position. Okay, Eric. Last thing before we uh, hit the the prediction for the next game and a little bit did a little bit of preview. We don't have a lot of time for for much preview here, but uh, what was up with Jason Myers missed extra point? What was that? Uh, Autumn Myers, except for every once in a while. Thanks for throwing to me for the important stuff. Um, hey, it's- I mean, what was that? How oh, far? Please, it was like Jesus. what? What happened? Where did the ball go? It was like so confusing. I thought maybe it went over the 
like over the post because you know sometimes too high yeah like way too high but it just i think it just disappeared into ether and it didn't matter (laughs) it's like off the top of the screen you can't even see where okay um yeah so that's uh that's that's that arizona cardinals eric so kyler murray still short km38 uh trying to dress like gino not throwing like gino not playing like gino Arizona right now is uh, 26th in DVOA, 23rd on offense, 26th on defense, 25th in special teams. They are not doing anything well, but somehow are still two and three because they've played some pretty bad teams. They played some bad teams, and when you watch their games, they're getting big plays. They're getting some really bad consistency on their offense with the exception of one big play. Their toxic differential has got to be a stat this year. Um I don't know so if it's got, lucky, but it's just like, you know, they are lucky I mean, they, that they should needed, be getting needed. Uh, th- so they scored 16 points in the fourth quarter and, and then six in overtime to beat the Raiders. Like that is something that you probably shouldn't have to do to beat the Raiders. They are so poorly coached and, and run right now. The Raiders, it is could have seen that hard to watch from a, uh, from a head coach with a losing career record at Texas Tech. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's Arizona outcoached Josh McDaniel, so that should tell you a lot, a lot. That should tell you a lot. Wait, and the Raiders uh, outcoached the Broncos. Oh gosh. So, so last week they 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 played Philadelphia tough, but Philadelphia is also nursing like four offensive line injuries all at the same time. So I didn't. I tried not to read too much into that. Like, yeah, it's it sucks for sure that. They played Philadelphia tough because Philadelphia is one of the best teams in the league right now. They're the only remaining undefeated team. So coming into Seattle this week, we've got the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I don't know what else to say about this Cardinals team. Their defense is really bad. They're they seem disjointed. So statistically, their pass rush is as bad as our pass rush, but their coverage is worse. Yeah, they don't have Tariq Woolen. That's a problem. Yeah, that's they're finally getting something out of Isaiah Simmons, which is like that's that's the biggest compliment i can pay to them like i i don't know how you spend so much of his career just having him do just nothing but last game he played 67 snaps and was really good and it, they just need to the fact that they have such a guy like isaiah simmons who i think coming out of college you could have said he was like one of the easiest guys to project wouldn't you say kevin that I mean, his skill set was very um, easy to understand. Yes. Yeah. It's just like, hey, this is a guy who can like they all that you got to do is just watch he playing linebacker. Right. Like I just watch Fred Warner and be like, hey, can you you can do that? Right. And he'd be like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I could totally do that. And that that's it. That's it. He was so good at coverage. So silky smooth. Such a great athlete. And they just have not been able to get much out of him throughout his career. Uh, JJ Watt is has his doomsday clock running right now. We'll see how long until he gets hurt. And he's but had he's looking a doomsday pretty... clock for like three years. Yeah, every, it's every year, every year now. It's just every year. How long until he he tears his shoulder? Um, you he's know that guy three... has a cabin that he spends in. And he spends most of his time in. It's a cabin. You guys hear this about JJ Watt? Sorry, go on. No, it sounds sweet. What is it? It's like it's like a four story story mansion in the woods. Don't listen to people talking about JJ Watt's cabin. It's I'm oh, it's like Troy a, it's... Aikman. You know, this guy spends his off season in the cabin, and then you look at the cabin, and it's it's a mansion <laughs> in the woods. It's just made out of unpainted lumber. Anyway, go on. Yeah. The one thing that they have been doing well is rushing the football, and that is um, that is worrying to me. Yep, they're averaging four. They're averaging four point six yards per rush. Uh, they did have a lot of running back injuries last week. 
Connor left the game. Williams left the game. Both those guys are pretty iffy to play this week, which means it'll be the the Eno Benjamin show, but he's averaging four and a half yards a carry too. So it doesn't really help us a whole lot. And one problem with the Seahawks right now is that we can't stop teams if they want to run on us. If they decide to start running and throwing short passes on us, we really struggle. But so, also they don't really run despite yeah, they don't run, being they, good at they it. Don't, they just don't do it. Yeah, they don't run enough. They, this team should run more. They're they're running the ball really well, and they just they just keep throwing because well, it's, it's obvious why. You know, Kyler. All another thing too, we we don't have the advantage that the Eagles had last week, which was it was a double XP Call of Duty weekend last weekend. So that's <laughs> that that makes it really hard for Kyler. Kyler really struggles on double XP weekends. This week is of course just a regular XP weekend for Call well, of Duty. So he was wearing action green last weekend, so he's basically playing for us. Yeah, I. Trying to be it. Gino. All right. Well, you guys, are, you guys ready to to talk uh, scores for card scores and predictions for Cardinals Seahawks? Let's do it. All right. What do you got? Someone go. All Someone right. who's not me. This is going to be super pointy because neither of these teams can stop anybody. So I'm going to have uh, 39 to 35 Seattle. You wow. you were you almost went with the same score from last week. I, I could feel it. I was like, oh, he's gonna go 39-33 again. But <laughs> I could put the reverse on it. <laughs> didn't do it. 39-33 the right way this time. Okay. What do you what do you got, Eric? Uh I don't it's hard for me to pick Seahawk wins because every time I do, I just it something bad happens and we and we lose. But we're at home this week and Gino's playing so well. I believe the crowd has gotta be a factor. Um why not 38-34 Seahawks? All right. I'm going to go with 31-30 Arizona. Duh! I think it's going to be going to be a close game. Uh, I do a lot of the analytics stuff I look at shows a slight edge to Arizona here. Um, Arizona what about the home underdog there, Nathan? What about that? Uh, Home underdog. I want home favorites with losing records, not home oh, underdogs with yeah, losing very records. Very well. And uh, Arizona minus two and a half. So, I I don't understand why Arizona's favored. To be honest with you, I feel like it should be a. This should be a. This a this is the true definition of a pick'em. <laughs> like this <laughs> this game, I do not understand why it's not a pick. But uh, apparently, people just like, think the Cardinals are better than us still. Um, they did play Philadelphia tough last weekend. That probably has something to do with it. All right. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, uh, join the team. Uh, be be uh, in the Discord. We're at exactly 69 patrons right now, though. So I don't know. Oof. Maybe 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 don't join. Uh, if you join, you better not join at the $1.24. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you join, you better make it worth my while. Um, no. So, so thanks. Our newest patrons, uh, Morgan... Uh, we, wait, we, we just had a new one and I can't, for some reason, the stupid Patreon page is ordering it differently, Nikki? but we had, no, it's no, a Josh, a Josh is, Josh is here. Okay. So let's get our, let's get the, now, now I'll read all the names. Here we go. So thank you to the people who've been supporting us for so long. Uh, Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, dude, all for the Tucci, Evan, Floctimus, Gavin, Greta, James, Joe, Josh, that's the new guy right there. Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake. Bob, Casey, David, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Werewolf, Brendan, and Nick. All right, there we go. Uh, okay, so today we had an idea from the Discord. Kevin actually independently had a similar idea to this, but the person who suggested in the Discord really branded it well, and I wanted to like give props for that. That's a pack. So Kevin so this, didn't put this the, uh, in front of it. 
yeah so this is this basically these are movies um that have the same geno smith story you know there are characters who they wrote me off i ain't right back though yeah characters that you write off things bad things happen to these characters and they they come back and they they destroy everyone right so they come they they have a, a full-on comeback they do it so you guys um i'm gonna go first i'm gonna take a movie that that um probably you, you guys were both thinking of i'm just gonna steal it from right underneath you um and that's robocop okay um alex murphy was horrifically mutilated in robocop but and then they wrote him off but he did not write back he became he, he, back, became, he became robocop and uh well he took punishments into his own hands right he uh he, he really went after it as robocop so yeah that's uh that's my that's my first entry in here that one thing I'll say about RoboCop that I just love, I just love RoboCop. It's just um, parody levels of ultraviolence in a way that is, I think, like just so intentional and so well done. So yeah, it's so intentional. People don't understand. Like RoboCop is a parody. It's a parody of like just the way that movies were getting like stupidly violent, and it's so, like that scene in the boardroom where he brings in the <laughs> thing. So it just, it's so good. It's so Yeah, just when people jerk me off, I kill them. Like I don't know. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> hundred percent all right um the bad guy's name is dick jones like there's, there's not there's just there's nothing bad to say about this movie it's it's perfect so yeah if you don't like robocop if you got a problem with robocop you get a problem with me and i bet just let that one marinate you got a problem yeah, with robocop got... it's because you probably watched robocop 3 so just back off yeah. <laughs> um all right what do you what do you where do you where are you at uh on this one I, I'm gonna step right in because I got one that I want to. I'm scared because I don't want Kevin to take mine. It's right up his alley to take. Okay, it. do it. Yeah, you go first. Eric. You want me to go? Yeah, I have so many I could pick right now. You okay? Do it. Okay, I'm going with a. Uh, <laughs> so when you told me this, I was like, man, what am I gonna look for? And I had to Google a bunch of different things to kind of find what I was looking for, and I found 2006 horror classic, sci-fi classic. Kevin, you'll love this. The host. <laughs> A host? Oh, yeah. Which uh, which one, which which the host? So you have to make this clear because there's a really crappy teen movie. The no, host. no. I said 2006. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Oh, uh, yeah, the real the real good one. Yes, the one the that I one. love the the most. Oh, yes. I love this movie so much. This is our loser um, protagonist. Had um, this had this on DVD back back like oh, right when it came really? out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's Bong Joon Ho before purchase. everyone knew Bong Joon Ho was the greatest. Yeah. I was I was like on this corner so early, like it is un it is unreal. But like, I th- it was mostly luck. I'm not I'm not gonna act like I'm like some kind of like enlightened genius. You just no, like so, the poster, so, and you're I like, have, oh okay. No, I have a friend <laughs> who's like a big uh, horror fan, and he really like, and he saw this, and he was like, this is a. He, I know you like monster movies like Godzilla and stuff. He's like, this is amazing. You should watch it. And he like he like told me that I should seek it out. So I went. Had to work kind of hard to get it, but yeah, I got it, and yeah, it lived up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, this. Uh, let's real quick. It's a kind of loser guy who uh, is just kind of a failure, um, a mutated uh, monster out of the sewers. Um, what he rescues? I have not seen this movie in so long. He rescues his. What is it, his niece, niece. Kevin? Ah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and it's I mean, the main character Ho, who you'll know from everything that you everything. think of when you think of Korean movies. Yes. I mean, this dude's the- amazing. And the thing is that yeah, he's just total total loser, right? Like, but the like, the movie ends with him, you know, taking care of the monster, uh, adopting his yeah, niece, exactly. and then he also, I think, he owns or at least runs the snack bar. He's just like a reputable dude. Uh, I 
when I found the movie, I was in the like, extreme situation. Oh, this is so good. This is this is the so. Movie. The best thing about this movie, one, this movie holds up completely. Yes, yes. there's you can re. I rewatched it last year, and it holds up. It was as good as I remembered it being. Um, the beginning of the movie is so slapsticky and corny. Um, and, and, it, <laughs> and then it's but the, the, the military the t- is that what you mean? Yeah, and but Bong Joon Ho does such a great job of <laughs> when of, they're driving the truck. The truck drivers are so good. Yeah, the he he does a good job of like continually like just taking one more step into dark. The movie gets darker and darker, right? Like the just the the kind of way that he he does that is I don't know. It's just it's a masterpiece, straight up masterpiece. This movie's great. Uh, if you like monster movies, this is the one. Uh, that I don't know. That yeah, it's, it's yeah. sweet. Two for two, Kevin. Um, Bring us home. Oh man, this. Oh, is we got to we got to do fave. This is a fave five, my friend. Well, yeah, but so, I want I want to know that our kings, the ones that we've chosen each, are are awesome. And I know Kevin's got one that's great. All right, he's got like I'm seventeen. Going to pick one to represent three, because when you talk about people being written off and coming back and getting their revenge, then you can't think past Park Chan Wook's Vengeance trilogy. I thought you were going to say John Wick, and I was like, mm, yes. John Wick sympathy for three. Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, <laughs> and Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Oh, this is better than John Wick movies. Because because John Wick wasn't a loser. This is this kind of has and I don't mean like loser, but this definitely has a a downtrodden type, a person that was written off. Who gets redemption in Old Boy? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm saying revenge, but redemption is why I'm thinking. <laughs> The television set. So, uh, so I just want no. This is I, I just thought, I felt like it was a good opportunity to like do like a like, like a what was the last one we did the the well, court. The, oh yeah, well, our feel good movies. So I picked Dread. Um, yeah, exactly. So, but uh, actually, that's why I'm picking Sympathy for Lady Vengeance to be yeah, the uh, sense, uh, yeah. the choice to represent them for this purpose. But I, I want to bring up the trilogy because um, this is they're all good movies out in the U.S. this year uh, this month. Yeah. And it's uh, it's one that I'm looking forward to. As well. Definitely written off, yeah, nice. So, sympathy for Lady Vengeance is my choice among a sea of great choices. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. All right. Um, Can I run through yeah. my list, and you'll run through your list? Um, I like okay. This. I think it's going to be very hard not to put uh, the Dark Knight Rises on this list, mostly because me and Eric like Batman a lot. But I, I'm open to, to 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 kicking it. But it's just like that is like one of probably one of the the premier examples in my opinion of like the hero gets his ass kicked, Bane breaks his back, makes him humble. He starts the movie. Bruce Wayne is <laughs> Bruce Wayne is uh, kind of a hermit, and Batman's been written off and forgotten. So yeah, yeah I like just, that. Okay, that's a that's a good choice. And yeah, then Daniel, you have John Wick in there for you too. John Wick's a good one. Uh, the the raid. Yep, and just like that guy getting getting beat down, uh, No Country for Old Men, I think is a good choice. I don't really like that movie. I don't know but... if a hero. There's no. There's no hero winning. There's You're no, right. He does. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no. no hero there's no. Not enough. Not enough redemption. I mean, Rocky uh... Four. Rocky Four. <laughs> I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's been cast out and forgotten though. That's. I don't love that choice. If if we're going lady movies, Lady Snowblood. Lady Snowblood was what about, on my list. What about Kill? What about Kill Bill? Just literally, she's like. I thought about that, and I was like, mm-hmm. she's a straight up. She's a straight up. Okay, I want to. I want to stump for Kill Bill though, because like they they literally start that open up that movie with like her on the on the board. I think that's like a great choice for this because that's they wrote her off. So what about they, they the were, killer? The the hmm. killer? Yeah, the John Woo hmm. movie. 
Hmm. Like yeah, he cool literally movie. fakes his own death. Uh, mm-hmm. Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance. But like, I have a f- okay. So the thing, I, okay, the the killer. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I want like the beat down to come from. I want like my character to be on like death's door. I don't know. Does, do you feel like he was like that? In the, I feel uh, like he was just like he. I feel like he just hid. I feel like there's an element. I mean, he was shot up, but it was one of those things. The way that was done was kind of rushed. So, yes. Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance, I think, is worth a mention. Uh, the original Ipmon. Mm-hmm. Maybe, um, yeah. He takes on the Japanese occupation. I feel like that's uh, that's pretty overwhelming. Um, then we have uh, Wesley from The Princess Bride. Literally dies oh, at the Oh, that's a good one. That's a good. That's yeah. a good one. Even mm. Kevin to bring up the Princess Bride when you don't think he will, and it works. Uh, and it totally works. So yeah. good. Antonio mm. Bandera says El Mariachi and Desperado. Ooh, what about the County Monte Cristo movie? Yeah, that movie actually Loki is like super good. Never used to love that. What about Liam Neeson in Darkman? Okay. <laughs> Why is that so funny? It's a good one. Hey, uh, about, I think I picture about, him in the fair with the elephant. Yeah. What, what about what about what about Mean Girls? They write off Lindsay Lohan, but hey. she 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 comes back anyway. That's more and legitimate Logan. than you planned on it being when you said it, isn't it? That's, I didn't. I no. I I planned on it being legitimate. She also, <laughs> however, she does write. Ready. She does write back in a gossip book, Nathan. So I think that excludes her. <laughs> uh, no. The other one is uh, 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 Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and Tombstone. Okay, I'd take I'd take Doc Holliday and Tombstone definitely. Wyatt Earp for, to an extent. That guy's got too much of a position of power. So Wyatt Earp has the uh, vengeance when they think that he's riding out of town after his brothers get shot. Um, Doc Holliday though, the the clinching scene is when he shows up to the gunfight um, out of his hospital bed. That's like, the the forgotten person, the person that's been forgotten. I think I when he shows when he shows up to kill Johnny Ringo. Yeah, so good, Johnny. What about what about what about Blue Ruin? Blue, Blue no Ruin is up there. There's no redemption. Everyone's everyone just it sucks for everyone. No, yeah. but yeah, but that doesn't bad. a great movie. <laughs> it doesn't involve a guy getting shot at with a bow and arrow in a really tense scene. So that's something. Okay. okay how about Ooh. wait wait wait? I got a good one. I got a good one. And it's like it's like kind of out there. Okay, you ready? Okay. Mm. Ocean Ocean's Eleven. What? Yeah, yeah. Because because like it looks he like, like he writes off. He he's in jail. George Clooney let's write him off. He doesn't matter anymore. Oh, I thought you were but, talking about Elliot ooh. Gould's character. He's still he's <laughs> Clooney Thanks, still Kevin. got it. Let's get the team together. Elliot Gould has his uh his Yeah, his Elliot Gould destroyed too. and he just, forms Yeah, his they team. blows it up on TV. Yeah, Elliot exactly. Gould's a real hero there. All right, that's a fake 17. If I'm going in this one, uh I think this is, I'm We going, have too many good choices. We have too many good choices now. Like category. This, it's one of my this, favorites. This is this has been like a I'm here this to moderate to make sure I, we don't go too revengey. Like, oh, I that thought, guy's not down downtrodden too much. I thought like we were we were uh, we were gonna. Yeah, I don't know. Too much respect so. for John Wick. Um, pick him, boys. What yeah, about what about Mad Max? Like the first one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched like, that. like they kill his wife, his family. Like he's they think he's done for. They they're like we're out of here. But he just like hunts down the killers. Like one that movie. Drives that movie. That movie's so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> like the, it's like so much better than I than I remember it being. It's really the only thing horrible. that's the funny thing about that movie is that it's how it's shot. It's shot on such a low budget, and they're just like, "Oh, you pulled over to the side of the road to make this. You can hear the other cars." 
So good though. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so it's it's the lowest of budge. Yeah. It's, All right. it's like so it's I think hard. We're going Kill Bill, and I think either Desperado or the Princess Bride are both really good. I don't think uh, Antonio Banderas in El Mariachi Desperado is too downtrodden. I'd rather pick the Princess Bride here. They killed his lover and left him to die. I think that's 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 pretty downtrodden. <laughs> I don't but, know. But yeah, I'm fine with the Princess Bride. I just the whole here's the thing that the whole movie is just his revenge thing. So I feel like it's I don't know. I just okay. don't get yeah. that vibe from it. You know what I mean? That's fair. Hmm. This is tough. These are these are hey, all. What about Ernest Saves Christmas, where Santa Claus is forgotten? Never mind. Oh, God. Let's go. I keep thinking of more things. Is the problem with this? I know. Like I made like a short list, and then now I'm just like thinking about movies and just like right. coming up with more. And more on, and I'm going to call it on the Princess Bride and just fine. understand totally that this is a great it. set of movies. So we have yeah. RoboCop, the original, uh, 2006, the, the remake. Host? Remake's not. Remake's not as bad as you think, though. Remake's for RoboCop. Okay. It's like it's just bang average, and it, I wish it wasn't called RoboCop. I feel like the remake for RoboCop didn't understand why RoboCop was as violent as it was. Correct. Yes, Correct. that was it's... the problem. It brought it down to just an okay movie. If you call it Rob O'Cop and just realize that they forgot to make the <laughs> protagonist Irish, then Racist. it's then it's still fun. Uh, Sympathy <laughs> for Lady Vengeance, uh, Kill mm-hmm. Bill Volume One, and uh, The Princess Bride. All right, sounds good. So there you go. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.